0: All right, guys, back again for another Break Hard podcast. This week, we had the NASCAR Trucks Xfinity and Cup Series out in Las Vegas. IndyCar was off. Formula One will be starting their season in two weeks. But Las Vegas certainly gave us enough to talk about this week. Quick recap, we had Alex Bowman snag the win in Las Vegas uh, for the Cup race, beating teammate Kyle Larson to the line uh, in a two-lap shootout. We'll get more into that in, in a couple minutes. The Xfinity Series, um, the really entitled grandson of Joe Gibbs won. And for the Truck Series, the, the Truck Series was an absolute shit show, and we'll get to that in a minute as well. Chandler Smith uh, get, picks up his third career Truck Series win in what can only be described as a colossal failure on race control's part and an absolute abhorrent showing by the Truck Series field talent-wise as well. But before we get into those races, we first have to talk about the Cup Series race on Sunday. Alex Bowman picks up the win, his seventh career win. (laughs) Since the start of last year, the only person that has more wins than him in the Cup Series is Kyle Larson, which is kind of bananas to think about. But Alex Bowman's got five wins now in the last, what, 39 Point Series races? Not bad. Not bad. It's great. It's great. He's better than literally everyone else, not named Kyle Larson. So, yeah, Bowman picks up another win. There's something about that number forty-eight. They put themselves in in position to win, and they capitalize on it. Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss were the kings of that. Jimmy wouldn't always have the best car. He wouldn't always be leading the most laps. But when it <laughs> when it came time to hand out that trophy, Jimmy Johnson found a way to victory lane. More than, what, literally every person not named Richard Petty, um, David Pearson, or Jeff Gordon. So, there's something to be said for that. Uh, And that 48 luck has apparently carried over to, to Alex Bowman now. Because outside of his win at Auto Club in 2020, which that was with the 88. So, in his time in the 48 car, his wins have come... Because they put themselves in position to win. Richmond last year, position to win. Pocono last year, position to win. Martinsville, he was pretty competitive in Martinsville. Again, was in position to win and, you know, moved Denny out of the way. Whatever you want to call that. I don't think it was intentional. And then, why why am I blanking on what Alex Bowman's other win last season was? Oh, man. Oh, man. Racing reference is going to make me look at Alex Bowman's finishes for last year because I cannot, for the life of me, remember off the top of my head. Dover. Yeah, that was another one. Put himself in position to win. Kyle Larson dominated that race. Bowman uh, gets out front and, and wins the race. Didn't have the best car. Was the best car when it mattered, though. So, yeah, I mean, hey, Alex Bowman's now won a race for the last four straight seasons. That's huge considering everybody tries to write him off as being, you know, the guy that if there's a weak link at Hendrick, you know, somebody that's not going to be there long-term. It's going to be Alex Bowman. Everybody talks about William Byron being the guy that's going to be the next person to sort of uh, to sort of glow up at, at Hendrick Motorsports. But listen, Alex Bowman keeps winning races. And as long as Ally's happy with with Bowman, they're going to keep him in the car. And Ally's happy when Alex Bowman wins. And <laughs> he puts himself in a position to win. He did have a really fast car today. I'll, you have to admit that uh, there was a pit road penalty. Uh, that sent him to the back, and he had to work his way back up to the front. Got himself up to third, fourth behind uh, Kyle Busch and, and Martin Truex Jr. there at the end, and was likely going to run third until the caution came out with Eric Jones. But Bowman, again, had a really fast car. I'd say he probably had the second fastest Chevy behind probably Ross Chastain, because Chastain looked great uh, in the second half of this race. But yeah, so Kyle, uh, Alex Bowman wins. Kyle Larson finishes the second. They you know restarted for that green-white checker. Side-by-side, side, and they raced side-by-side side for the first lap, uh, took the white flag, still side-by-side side all the way down the backstretch. Into turn three, uh Kyle definitely tried to, to suck the air off of Bowman, and that's kind of the difference between this car and the old car. If what Larson did by just basically hanging right on the door of Bowman, going into the corner, not giving him any space to move up, the 48 definitely last year would have gotten sideways and, and been almost sucked around. This year, it had the, you know, aversive roof reverse effect and and sent the five car up the track uh larson lost the front end and went up the track and bowman definitely got a little loose but not like it would have been last year and he was able to just sort of hang on for it and drive to you know i wouldn't say an easy win there you know out of turn four but certainly one where he knew he was going to win so yeah good battle there between the teammates unfortunate for the jgr guys this race was definitely going to be a kyle bush win if eric jones doesn't I'm guessing Eric Jones maybe had a, I don't think he had a tire go down or, you know, the, the toe link failed on that car or or something. But man, did he just all of a sudden go completely right up into the wall on the exit of turn four or kind of in turn four and spins down, not, didn't really spin yet, but limps down into the front stretch um, on the apron of the front stretch. Ends up spinning then when he hits the apron in the front stretch about the start-finish line. And Alex, or not Alex, Bubba Wallace <laughs> damn near yeeted the 43 sometime in the next week. Because if he would have hit Eric Jones' driver's side door, which was where he was headed, that could have been really bad. It certainly would have tested the integrity of of this uh, cockpit on the new Gen 7 car. But thankfully, we didn't have that. Unfortunate for the 23, he goes from running, at that time, I believe, somewhere around 8th or ninth, um, maybe ninth or 10th, to not finishing where he should have. He should have had a top 10 today, comes home 25th uh, a lap down. He spun out to the inside of the track to avoid the 43, thankfully, and hit the tire barrier on the inside wall, which I thought was weird that there were a tire barrier there, but kind of saved the 23 in a sense, because uh, it did a lot less damage than a safer barrier probably would have done. Uh, but still strange to see tires there. Thankfully again, Eric Jones didn't get hit in the door. Cause that would have been bad, but unfortunate for Eric Jones as well. He had a really solid run going. He was going to finish top 10. It would have been the first time that, you know, a petty car had had back to back top 10 since Eric Omrola did it in 20. 20- and they ran so well last week in Fontana to see them, you know, everybody was like, Oh, we'll see if they can continue that this year. Hey, they struggled a little bit at the beginning of this race. But they definitely found their way back to the to the front half of the field, and they were in position for another top 10, which is just massive for those guys. That Petty team, they're a small, they're a small organization. Obviously, now with GMS, they're a 2 car team. Uh, you would be hard-pressed to know that because Ty Dillon finished 20th, while Eric Jones would have, you know, like I said, finished top 10, 7th or 8th. Um, instead, he comes home. Where did Eric Jones finish? 31st. That is really unfortunate. Um, for him. But uh, that's racing. It happens, unfortunately. So yeah, overall, good run for them. I think there's a lot of promise. They obviously didn't get the finish they wanted, but they know that they can compete. They know they're a top 10 car, which is I think all that really matters in this situation at the moment It's a confidence builder. Listen, your goal should be to finish top 15. Once you've done that, start finishing top 10. Once you've done that, start finishing top five regularly, then you'll be good for wins. So Yeah, I think the 43 is on the right path. I think Eric Jones is the right guy for that car and and that team right now. And uh, I think this car certainly suits his driving style as well. So hopefully they can rebound next week at Phoenix and then um, go to Atlanta after that and have some good runs there. But, yeah, Alex Bowen wins the race, leads 16 laps uh, on Sunday. Kyle Larson, started second, finished second. Kind of surprised. Larson is – he's been the dominant guy this last season. And, you know, if he would've won this race, it would've been seven of the last 11, which is crazy to think about. He would've won two of the first three, Um, kind of really asserts himself as the favorite. I will say this though. I talked about this in a blog uh, a little bit earlier this week. You can read it at uh, breakhardblog.com. Last year, Kyle Larson spent a lot of time dominating races. He was starting up front thanks to the formula, starting, you know, first or second most weeks, or at least in the top five even. And then he was going on and just winning the races especially in the second half of the year he did a lot of leading a lot of leading didn't do a ton of passing and trying to have to come back through the field never really had to like tweak the car and you know work on it much either and i'm sure they definitely made their adjustments and everything but they never were in a situation where they struggled and then had to really like work on the car you know a bunch and get it back in position to win this year for the through the first three races and then we'll kind of throw daytona out of there so at california last week in fontana He certainly, he and Cliff Daniels had to work on that car to make it better throughout the race. Something they really didn't have to do a ton last year. They didn't have to deal with a ton of traffic. They didn't have to deal with coming back through the field. They had to do that last week. And, you know, I wrote that it should scare people in a sense that if they figured out how to make this car better uh, throughout the race versus just dominating the race and making minor tweaks here and there, that's concerning for a lot of the the field. And this week he kind of struggled early on. Uh, Ran like fell way back to twelfth and thirteenth, kind of just hung around the back, you know, half of the top ten. And I was thinking, like, man, maybe this is this is what I was talking about. Like, they've never really had to to work on a car throughout the race to make it better to pass the cars that are in front of them because they've always just been out front with clean air. And um, they definitely worked on it today. And again, a lot like last week, they put themselves in position. They worked on it and they got up there and they finished second, almost won granted they definitely uh snookered the guys there in that final restart by taking two tires while the JGR cars took four but you know is what it is in a sense but you know they definitely made that car better throughout the run Ross same finishes third he beats kyle bush the line uh right there at the end ross led a race high 83 laps the most laps he's ever led in his career and in fact that's the m- most laps he led more laps today than he had combined in his cup career uh, heading into this race so really good showing by Trackhouse once again you know suarez really strong last week has name strong last week ross comes out this week leads a lot of laps missed an adjustment there at the end uh that kind of took him out of it uh clouds came out and i think that maybe just threw the car off a little bit but yeah that's got to be really encouraging for everyone at Trackhouse and justin marks kyle bush comes home fourth he was if you didn't hear mike joy today he mentioned about 13 to 14 times that this 18 car was a parts car. It was never meant to be the race car, just meant to be the parts car for JGR. It was their parts car for the West Coast that they were just supposed to take parts off of in case they had an accident, in which case they might need some parts to use to replace their car because this was a parts car, not an actual race car for Kyle Busch. He was racing the parts car today. I'm not sure if I said parts enough there, but if I didn't, I'll say it one more time, it was a parts car. Uh, So he takes the parts car to a fourth place finish, likely was going to win uh it was going to be him or martin Trucks jr they had about a four over a four second lead over alex bowman and Ross hasane who were battling for third before that eric jones caution that brought out the green white checker and set up overtime yeah kyle coming to the line uh at the finish there when bowman were on the won the race he said and i quote Actually, you have to hang on a second here. I got to get it pulled back up again. The same fucking guy who backs into every fucking win that he ever fucking gets backs into another fucking win. Bullshit. Listen, (laughs) Kyle's frustrated. I completely understand that. And uh, I will say, Bowman hasn't backed into every win. Uh, I would argue that his Chicago win in uh, 2019 and his uh, Fontana win in 2020, he definitely um, earned those. But (laughs) he definitely backed into four wins last year or at least put himself in position and same with this one right here, put himself in position. You call backing in uh, or putting yourself in position, whatever you want to call. It. But yeah, Kyle was frustrated. That was a win that he was going to have definitely would have, or not definitely would have tied him for Richard Petty for most consecutive seasons with a win at 18, which is definitely a um, statistic that you would love to have on your resume. I think Kyle obviously will get a win this year. So there's no worry about that next year. If he can do that, that's a, a monumental achievement. In all honesty, um, yeah, no one else can say that. And if you can break a Richard Petty uh, record in the modern era, if you can do that in the modern era and beat his records, which were majority of them set pre-modern era, that's that's certainly saying something. So, yeah, uh, hopefully, Kyle, I'm sure we'll get a win this year and then uh, can, can do it again next year because that would be a cool story for him and um, something that the sport doesn't get to see very often, which is a Richard Petty uh, record getting broken. William Byron comes home uh, fifth, quiet day for Byron, Uh, just kind of hangs around there in the top five, top ten most of the race, so uh, yeah, good to see him running well, I think if he wants to be a championship contender though, he's got to start sort of closing out these races and being a a much more, uh, uh, much more of a participant at the lead, at the front than he is uh, currently. Eric Almirola, P6, kind of surprised to see that. Uh, I think that's, what now, two top 10s for him in the last two weeks. So good for him. Uh, I did laugh last week when, uh, you know, he, he said his wife asked him, what happens if you win the championship this year? And he said, then I just go out on top. And I laughed because I'm like, there's no way Eric Amarola wins the championship. And I still don't think there's a way Eric Amarola wins the championship. But he certainly is putting together a good start to the season for uh, himself and that number 10 team. So good, good for them. Tyler Reddick spun through the infield at one point today, got a little bit of air, X-game style, and rebounded for a seventh-place finish. Uh, yeah, good good run for those guys. Started seventh, finished seventh. If Anytime you can come back from a spin and do that, that's always good. Martin Truex Jr. would have finished second, if that caution had come out, finishes eighth. Chase Elliott finishes ninth. Expected more out of Chase, and I, I wrote about this this morning, too, in my Sunday Money betting picks, that, you know, Chase... I don't know if he's starting to feel threatened by the fact that kyle larson you know chase was the heir apparent to lead hendrick motorsports when jeff gordon retired he took over gordon's car when jimmy johnson retired that made chase elliott the longest tenured driver at hendrick motorsports so you would think in theory that he's now the leader of that team then kyle larson comes in you know and knocks his dick in the dirt over 36 races and chase has got to be sitting there wondering what the hell happened so if he sort of wants to assert his dominance within that team again, he's got to get back up there and start winning these races or at least run up front and contending, and finishing ninth isn't what you need. And, you know, Alex Bowman, again, we talk about, oh, yeah, Alex, maybe he won't be with Hendrick, you know, after his contract's up, blah, blah, blah. He's won more races over the last year and a half than, than, uh, than Chase has. So, yeah, we'll see, how, we'll see how that plays out. Christopher Bell started on pole, uh, finished 10th. He... He looks strong. He got sideways in this race. I can't remember if he actually looped it all the way around or not. It's my house haunted. I fucking hope not. All right. But, yeah, he did spin all the way around uh, lap 142. Yeah, 142, 143. Uh, So, yeah, finishing 10th. Again, if you can spin out and come back and finish the top 10, that's a hell of a day. I, I just think that 20 car was maybe a little bit too trimmed out. That's how they end up on pole. Austin Dillon really thought he was going to have a better run than an 11th place finish, but still uh, nothing not too shabby. Kurt Busch comes home 13th. Uh, again, just building that 23-11 team. That's what that's about right now. Corey LaJoy, top 15 for that Spire Motorsports number seven. Great run for those guys. Put themselves in position to capitalize on uh, a little bit of strategy, which is good. Harrison and Burton was involved in two incidents this weekend. Still comes home with like a 16th place finish. So uh, good for him. Uh, it's just... They, he just needs more races under his belt. It's too too early to really make a judgment on him. Ty Dillon finished twentieth. Uh, that Petty GMS team really needs to figure out what he's doing. Ricky Stenhouse would have finished top ten. Uh, got called for a pit lane penalty, which is funny because they mentioned it in the booth. And then Danica, who was famously dated, who famously dated Ricky Stenhouse for a decent amount of time, just goes aw. Um, it would have been really funny. Shout out Zach, uh, who who texted me and said. They really need to have Danica do the in-car interview with Ricky under a caution during the stage break, which would have been electric television. If you're going to have Matt Kenseth call Joy Logano, you should definitely have had uh, Danica you know, radio Ricky. Thankfully, she'll be back in the booth next week and we can try this again. Uh, one thing real quick with, with that, Danica, I thought Danica was great in the booth. I thought she was really good when she uh, did F1 last year with Sky when they were at Coda. She... She doesn't do the TV shtick type of thing that Mike Joy and Clint Boyer want everybody to do. She's just kind of there to call the race, point out things that she sees. And she doesn't really play the game that much. And I thought that was really good. And she actually brought up a couple good points. Again, she knows exactly what she's talking about. She's been around the sport long enough. She's driven race cars. She knows what she's talking about. And every time she'd make a good point, Mike Joy would just Go off on something else that had nothing to do with what Danica brought up. And Danica is bringing up legitimate things that probably should be talked about. And Mike is just, Mike will just be like, oh, look at this cute kid in the crowd. And it's like, bro, that doesn't do anything for the viewers at home trying to understand the race that's happening in front of them. Um, But I'm not getting into another Fox tirade this week. They were uh, were god awful once again. If you watch the pre-race show, I apologize because like you, I would love to have like 30 minutes of my life back especially that casino skit that they did and then the uh, um, tarot card reading that they did as well. That was just so, so bad. Just present the race in like a factual, informative manner. That's entertaining. Stop. Just stop with what you're doing right now. It's, it's so bad. Um, recapping the guys that, you know, crashed out or, or what have you. Denny Hamlin. Unfortunately, thought that he was still driving an H-pattern gearbox and torched the transaxle in the car, which is kind of ironic because Denny always says nobody studies and practice or nobody studies throughout the week harder than I do, and then he forgets something you know as simple as that, which a lot of it's sort of muscle memory. Cole Custer, awful day for them. Thirty-third. Greg Biffle, they had a fuel pump failure again. Probably could have had a top twenty finish uh, if if they could have held on to it. Whatever their fuel pump issue is there at New York Racing, they should figure that out because it's now two races that they've had that issue with. Um, definitely don't need that going forward. Chase Briscoe, another just awful day was involved in the crash. Ryan Blaney, uh, Brad Keselowski spun out, gave Ryan nowhere to go. Ryan clobbered him, race over. And then uh, Daniel Suarez, Michael McDowell got uh, got loose, sent the 14 up the track. The 14 got sideways and came down. Clips Suarez turned him head on into the front stretch wall. He was okay, walked away. But again, just a bad bad day overall for, for, for those guys. So bummer all around for them. Again, I would argue that this was one of the more enjoyable mile-and-a-half races we've seen in a long time. 3,271 green flag passes. Uh, phenomenal. 12 cautions. It's so refreshing to see cars spin out because the drivers are driving too hard that's exactly what we need to be seeing here uh the fall race last year at las vegas only had 2264 green flag passes granted it had a third of the cautions which certainly helped green flag passes as we know the spring race had oh wait no that's this year previous of the track let's see what the spring race for las vegas had last year 4057 green flag passes um I'm trying to think back. The spring race last year at Las Vegas was actually good, and the NA18D package always did better when it was cooler out. So, yeah, I mean, hey, I'll shit on the NA18D package all the time, but there's certainly times where it did put on a decent race passing-wise, just never really for the the lead um, as it stood. So, yeah, I still think the product that we saw on track today was better than anything we saw with the NA18D package, the high downforce package, Um that we had for the last couple of seasons. So yeah, keep this up. A uh, lot of cars getting sideways. And I don't know if it's because of the, like the independent suspension allows them to bottom out a little bit more and they can get sideways that way. Or if it's the lack of sidewall, so there's not a lot of give in the tire and you can't really catch it, but yeah, cars getting sideways and hard to save a lot of times. I think the guys today also learned a ton going forward so we'll see how that does but we had what one two three four five six seven guys lead 10 laps or more that's huge that's great that's exactly what the what the series needs 23 lead changes um yeah overall three hours and 29 minute race which again makes last week's race of three hours flat three hours and three minutes flat that wasn't true there's no way that was true um today's was definitely true because there was a shit ton of cautions um, but yeah, overall, super good race. Uh, curious to see how, how this race is again, when we get to uh, like a, a Kansas, specifically the Coke 600, cause that race has been awful. Texas, I have zero f- faith in Texas being good because the track is just terrible. Um, I don't, you could put regardless, you could put any type of car out there and that track is going to race so bad because the track's just terrible. But yeah, I'm excited to see what it does, uh, at Kansas. You know, at Charlotte, Texas, Atlanta's going to be weird because they're running the super speedway package there. Homestead's always going to be good. That's going to be a lot like Fontana. I'm really excited for that. Darlington's another one. I think this car is going to be great at Darlington. Uh, So yeah, it'll be interesting. I think this car is certainly a step, a massive step in the right direction compared to where they were. There's a lot of things that still need to be tweaked on it. Uh, Suspension parts are going to need to be beefed up at some point we got to still figure out the tire situation. But overall, I think it's a far and away better product than than what they had previously. Uh, I'm actually excited to get the Phoenix next week. And I hate Phoenix with all of my heart. So we'll see how that race goes. But uh, for now, Alex Bowman's your winner. Kyle Larson finished second. Ross Chastain third. Uh, yeah, Las Vegas Cup Series race. The Saturday race, the uh, Xfinity race, Joe Gibbs' grandson wins again. Uh, well, I shouldn't say wins again. He wins for the first time this season. Uh, kind of handed to him there. Gregson, Hemrick, and Josh Berry, uh, too busy fucking around with each other to um, beat the one guy that they were all out there to beat. So, yeah, uh, you know, Ty ran through Ryan Sieg at the beginning of the race. Ryan Sieg tried to retaliate uh, by taking him out, and it was potentially the worst, you know, retaliation we've seen this side of Danica Patrick trying to wreck Landon Castle. Who famously said the number one rule in soccer racing is if you're gonna wreck somebody, don't wreck yourself. Uh, yeah, Ryan C. There's a hot chance we don't see him at Phoenix because he's gonna get, you know, suspended a race. NASCAR posted him before he made his move to try to wreck Ty. He said multiple times during the red flag, the red flag for Snow and Sleet in Las Vegas, because why the fuck not? Uh, he said multiple times that he's gonna go out there and do this. NASCAR posted him. Listen, if you want to pay a guy back. Pay him back. Don't advertise that you're going to do it. Uh, Don't give them, you know, the ammunition to, you know, reprimand you. Just go ahead and go do it. Noah Gragson finished the second. You know, eventually he's going to win a race, you know, in Las Vegas. He uh, led 52 laps. Justin Allgaier led a race high 62 laps, comes home fifth. Josh Berry, who won the fall race here, finishes fourth. Daniel Hemrick finishes third. And uh, Landon Castle, P6. Finally, that car doesn't catch on fire. Doesn't get caught up in a wreck. Gets to actually put a good run together. Um, I think there's a hot chance we see Landon Castle in victory lane before this season's out. Sheldon Creed finishes seventh. Brett Moffitt eighth. After bouncing off the wall, thanks to uh, dumbass Ryan Sieg trying to wreck uh, Ty, he collected both Sheldon and Moffitt, who both get top tens out of it. So good for those boys. Justin Allgaier, or not Justin Allgaier, AJ Allmendinger starts on pole, finishes ninth. Brandon Jones comes home tenth. One other thing we need to talk about real quick here is Jesse Awuji in that 34 car with, uh, you know, Emmett Smith as a co-owner. Dude just has no business being out there on the racetrack. Spun out, collected, just collected two guys that, you know, were just minding their own business in the, uh, the six of Ryan Vargas and the 99 of Stephen Parsons. Awuji just he's a moving roadblock. He's so slow painfully slow out there. He has no business being in a NASCAR touring series. He needs to head back down to the arc east or west. Honestly he needs to even head further down than that. Go hang out in the wheel in series run some cars races do a southern modified tour. Do literally anything that's not on a big track and learn the art of racing first. Learn how race cars react because this guy I I I know why, we know why he's here. And it's a lot of NASCAR pushing this whole, like, NASCAR salutes. Oh, he's a former, or I guess he might still be active Navy. You know, he played football for the Naval Academy. He's a great spokesperson, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but, like, the dude's a a weapon out there. He does not need to be on the track. He's a moving chicane. Same way Drew Dollar doesn't deserve to be on a racetrack. (laughs) The same way... Thad Moffitt probably shouldn't be on a racetrack. Jesse Wooji should not be on a racetrack. He's, he's a, he's a threat to everyone else around him. So hopefully, you know, something bad doesn't happen. Like I would hate to see him get involved in a wreck that, you know, injures him because he has no business being out here. His talent level is not good enough to be a NASCAR series driver. He, he's got a long way to go. He'd probably be better off just working like as an ambassador. If he wants to be involved in NASCAR, let him be an ambassador. Get him off the racetrack. Same with Joe Graf Jr. I do have to laugh at Joe Graf Jr. for being in the same car, literally the same exact car, because they had to use the same car that they used in Fontana last week. That Cole Custer, you know, handily won that race. Looked really strong all day. Joe Graf gets that same car, an SHR Xfinity car, and he manages to run at the time would have been like 29th place and gets disqualified for having three loose lugs and you know finishes 38th zero points all the other fun things or no one point my bad uh yeah Joe Graff Jr. again has no business being on a racetrack in the uh, in a Nash- NASCAR national touring series because that dude like Jesse Wooji is a threat to everyone else around him so yeah the Xfinity Series back in action this weekend at Phoenix, uh, I don't really know what to make about the Xfinity Series so far this year. We'll see how Phoenix plays out. Truck Series race on Friday night. This is something we need to talk about real quick. There were, this was, what was it, 134-lap race. We had 10 cautions for 52 laps. Some of just the worst driving you will ever see happened in this in this race. So there was a massive accident heading into turn one. Colby Howard stayed out on old tires, got turned going into turn one off Zane Smith, who just had nowhere to go and just ran into the 91. There was a, you know, collected essentially what, five cars, five trucks up in that. And then we had Jack Wood and um, Chase Purdy, two guys that also don't really have any business being on the racetrack, getting involved together you know, they were trying to side draft each other down the backstretch and turn each other into the wall, which is bizarre to say the least. So that was another just display of bad driving. Todd Bodine making his first of six starts this year to get him to 800 career NASCAR starts. Uh, He spun out on lap 56. He spun out again on lap 91 and uh, finished the race. I'll give Todd that. He finished uh, 21st on the lead lap, so not the worst, not the best. Got to get his footing back underneath him, but uh, again, just some bad driving all around. At one point, Christian is who I think is uh, is an actual really good talent, block trying to block Kyle Busch on the back stretch, and Kyle eventually was like, "Bro, I can't go any lower here and let the you know let the 98 turn himself off the nose of the 51 truck and and goes for a slide. That wasn't really, you know, that wasn't Kyle's fault. That was just these young guys just have no respect out here. Uh, Ty Majewski just hooking Ben Rhodes on the front stretch. Teammate Ben Rhodes and putting him into the wall. That was a bu- bizarre one in itself. There were three, G- three Thor Sport trucks involved in, in that. So that was strange. He had the, uh, the last lap incident with... I love that that's not even considered a caution, which is so bizarre to me. John Hunter Nucek spins around. Jordan Anderson clobbers him. Uh, What's his name? Grand Infinger is a fireball. All while Spencer Boyd is sitting. He's sitting stopped on the backstretch for the last lap and a half. And NASCAR never throws a caution. They let a lap and a half of racing go on with the 12 truck just sitting against the backstretch wall. Backwards. Nose of the truck pointed to the racetrack. They let it stay green because, you know, there's going to be a good finish there between uh, Zane Smith and, and Chandler Smith. But at the same time, like, you have to throw a caution because there's a truck stopped on the racetrack. It's so dangerous. And for the second time in back in the consecutive years, they, you know, leave a race green way longer than it should be because they just, I guess, don't see a stop truck against the wall. It's very confusing and dangerous. Spencer Boyd was hurt. He has a dislocated shoulder, and you couldn't get medical there because the track is still green. There's still race. There's a race going on. Um, yeah, really bad, bad call by you know the uh, race director. Race control has just been terrible across all three series lately, and it's kind of confusing. And a lot of it is NASCAR cutting budget and you know downsizing race control hiring people that probably shouldn't be there I'm um, putting them in position to, to be you know the race director and they have no business doing it so that was concerning the caution didn't come out until well after the finish uh, between Chandler Smith and Zane Smith and I don't know what why you don't throw a caution for a massive fireball for a truck getting hit head-on or the fact that there's a truck sitting there for two laps, just really bad all around. If you want to see the the video of the Spencer Boyd crash and him sitting against the wall, it's on uh, my Twitter at Breakhard Blog. Uh, you can check it out there. Yeah, it's just bad. It is bad all around. They need to get better. They have to get better because something bad's going to happen if they if they don't. So Chandler Smith beats. Uh, Zane Smith to the line. Zane Smith uh, finishes second after winning at Daytona two weeks ago. He's disqualified for loose lug nuts. Uh, so Kyle Busch ends up finishing second instead of third. Stuart Friesen, third. Ryan Priest, fourth. Tanner Gray, fifth. Matt DiBenedetto finishes sixth. That's unfortunate. Matt Crafton finishes seventh. Brett Holmes in his, uh, Brett Holmes, number 32, eighth. Austin Wayne, Austin Wayne Self got a top 10. What the fuck happened there? And Ty Majewski comes home. 10th, Dean Thompson, great tweet this weekend of his girlfriend standing in front of the uh, concession prices at Las Vegas with the shocked look on her face. And yeah, it should have been a shocked look, uh, the prices that they were asking for. Carson Hosovar, 13th, Chase Purdy, 14th, and Matt Mills, 15th. Yeah, good race overall. John Hunter Nemechek struggled again. Kind of surprised by by that. Uh, Derek Krause, again, Probably would have finished top 10, gets involved in something that's not his fault. Um, Yeah, the truck series, man, like just I saw somebody tweet that the truck series has turned into the ARCA series and someone, you know, responded to that and said, yeah, because most of these kids used to learn how to race in ARCA and then you would come up to a NASCAR national touring series. Now kids are just skipping right over ARCA and learning how to race, you know, in in a national series on a national level, which is not how it should be done, it's, it's embarrassing. There should not be 10 cautions in a truck race that's 134 laps. It's embarrassing. It is what it is. But that's what happens. I guess, yeah, no, if we let a bunch of single-A guys come up and play Major League Baseball, there'd be, you know, eight errors a game. And that's what happens here, is you have a lot of guys coming up here that don't belong and making dumb moves. They got zero respect for anybody else out there. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's the LeBron generation. That's what these kids grew up in, uh, so eh, whatever. Truck series are off until I believe Martinsville. No, they're in, oh they're racing Atlanta. Oh fuck! Oh I forgot Atlanta does that double header. Whew. all right. Um, pray because that race that they run their super speedway package is going to be a nightmare. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're off for two weeks. They'll be back in action on the 19th at 2.30 p.m. on FS1. They'll be followed by the Xfinity Series race that evening. Oh, boy. I'm not sure about that one. A little little concerned because these boys can't race around Las Vegas. I'm not sure if they can race around Atlanta in, like, a pack. So, yeah, IndyCar is off as well until, I believe, the end of this month. At Texas, I think that's the last weekend of this month, but I'll double check for you because it's a factual podcast and we present facts here. Let's see. Yes, Fort Worth, second to last weekend, the 20th. So they will be back in two weeks as well. The Genesis 600, 248 laps, I believe, around Texas Motor Speedway. That's going to be fast and frantic. And F1. Starts, I believe, that same weekend. God damn it, racing reference. You want to click on 2022. And then, and then as soon as you click on 2022, the page shifts. And you or you want to click on 2022. The page shifts. You click on 2021. Just a really bad design. Poor design. That's what happens when NASCAR gets their hands on things. Yeah, the 20th as well. So two weeks from now in Bahrain. Oh, I guess we should talk about Nikita Mazepen loses... Uh, his ride at Haas. Haas terminates their sponsorship deal with EuroCali, uh, which obviously is owned by Nikita's father, Dmitry Mazepin, who has close ties to the Putin regime. Yeah, I, Gene said today in Las Vegas that it, people are under the assumption that losing EuroCali is like a major financial hit to him. He said that's really not that big of a deal. Haas has still footed most of the bill. He said all it really does is just lowers our bottom line by a little bit. So, uh, yeah, I mean. The sport's better off not having Nikita Mazepin in it. Uh, he definitely does not have the talent to be a Formula 1 driver. Hardly had the talent to be a Formula 2 driver. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to who they go out and get. Gene said that they're evaluating a few um, prospects. Uh, who was it? Daruvula, um, Oliver Piastri. Antonio Giovinazzi and Pietro Fittipaldi, I think that's probably their short list. I don't think they'll get Nico Hulkenberg unless they can like really show him that the car is not too bad. But overall, yeah, I mean, it's interesting that we're going to have a driver hop in this car who probably will likely maybe get one test day out of it. Pietro is going to be in the car for some of the tests is what Gene said. Uh, obviously, you they he said we'd have a new driver. They named their second driver by Monday. Or not Monday, Wednesday, my bad. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see who they pick i think they're going to go with the safe pick it'll either be pietro or antonio uh which isn't very inspiring but that's kind of what haas does nothing about what haas has done over their tenure in formula one has been you know encouraging that they're trying to get massively better their first season was good there's and then since then they've kind of fallen flat on their faces so they spent all of last year designing this 2022 car hopefully it can come out and do something anything it's not going to be you know the bronze gp of 2009 but if they could be mid-pack that would certainly be a boost uh, for them because if they want to be call themselves america's f1 team they need to start running better if they would like fans here to even you know remotely give a shit about them and then uh, i guess probably the team that most americans thanks to drive to survive associate with is red bull racing and they announced that they they announced that they signed Max Verstappen to a seven-year deal uh, through 2028, which is massive, 300 mil total, 50 million um, yearly. It's Lewis Hamilton money. You win one championship that's handed to you, you all of a sudden get Lewis Hamilton money, uh, which is funny because Red Bull notoriously has not paid uh, their drivers at all. Sebastian Vettel wins some four championships in a row. They only pay him $15 million. He bounces out to get paid his market value at Ferrari, which was $40 million at the time. I'd argue it was probably more, but yeah it's funny to see and max has got to hope that they keep turning out race winning cars red bull has to hope that he keeps can you know running at the same level that he he performing the same level that he's performing at now but for all the young drivers out there it sets the market value for winning one championship one championship apparently is not worth 50 mil uh george russell has to be very happy about that looking at you know what's potentially his future as the number one driver at mercedes so Yeah, hopefully he gets paid. Um, All those guys deserve to get paid. That's what it comes down to. So, yeah. All right. We'll be back next week to talk about what happens in Phoenix. Preview the uh, Formula 1 season opener in Bahrain. Have some more practice time, testing times. Official test, not a shakedown test this time. uh, To go over from Bahrain, which I don't like the fact that they're going to test at a track that they're going to race at the next week. But, nevertheless, here we are. Like and subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at BreakHardBlog there. Check out the website, BreakHardBlog.com. And we'll see you guys next week.